welcome to the Batcave in Donners Grove, Illinois, where it is 86 degrees outside, but we have AC in the Batcave. I am Metal John, and you can follow me on Twitter at Metal John Radio. Along with me, the other part of the Hillcrest duo, Brad Risto. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at Brad Risto. Metal, it's been a while. It's good to be back. Yes, for sure. We've got some catching up to do, but this podcast is going to be heavily focused on the brand new Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Far From Home, which yeah. we both saw, so we there did. will be a lot of spoilers. Separately, yes, and there will be so many spoilers. So part of me just wants to say, let's skip the movie and go right to the best parts, but we, we'll, we'll go through the bulk of the movie and then get to that, that stuff. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do our thing. <laughs> do our thing? Uh, but anyways, yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, it's it's been a while since we last cut a podcast. A lot of things going on. Some uh, some TV shows have uh, been on. So mm-hmm. Jessica Jones is on Netflix right now. I and- know, and I haven't been able to get into it. It's for me. It's just this thought: like I know they're done, and I just can't start watching it. All right. Well, this season, I'm probably on episode seven right now. I'm not going to spoil anything, but it was uh, it, it is actually a, a pretty good season that kind of focuses Jessica's hunt of a serial killer, um, and and yeah, it's 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 got its good moments. It's got its ups and downs, of uh, but it's it's still pretty typical Jessica Jones uh, material. So you're not really you're not getting anything crazy mm-hmm. new or anything that's lame and boring, but right. uh, it is what it is. But I, obviously with it being the 5th of July, uh, Friday night, we're actually taping this on a Friday night in my back cave. Yeah. Uh, uh, so if you hear any big, big boom explosions, we are not under attack. That's just some drunk idiot launch. I'm firing an M80. Yeah. Getting rid of the leftover fireworks. Also, Selena Kyle, my cats might make an appearance. She loves to talk and jump up on things. So she may jump up here in the, on the bat, counter everything is bad yeah everything is bad the back counter um and uh so with it being uh the fourth of july weekend happy independence day happy independence day and happy stranger things season three yeah it is launched i've actually have avoided all spoilers we are not going to talk spoilers but we'll the new, do that eventually. The new season is out. I watched episode one right before we started taping this podcast. So I will, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about episode one without giving anything away. Okay. Um, the 80s stuff in it. I mean, that's by far one of the coolest things about this show is how they really treat the, the setting. Like yeah. the 80s, they're, they're, they're capturing the 80s very well with outfits, with references, mm-hmm. with music, the soundtrack, uh, you know, even just like little things in the background, like posters on the wall and stuff. Yeah. Everything is 80s, and since we're 80s kids, yeah. it just reminds us of our childhood. Well, actually, I know you might have even seen this, but maybe you haven't because I know you're a Dunkin' Donuts guy. Well, sorry, Dunkin' guy. So many of them have Baskin Robbins in them, and they have uh, some co-branding. There's a Steve um, uh Funko Pop you can get only at Baskin Robbins. I have heard about that. Yeah, because uh, in the episode one, you see that Steve is working at the food court at the mall. Um, at and, and what looks like a knockoff. Yeah, it's sort of like a knockoff of Baskin Robbins where he's doing the ice cream thing and he's got to wear a silly pirate's ha- uh, uh Yeah, like a, like a pirate costume. Similar. Yeah, sailor costume. Anyways, um, uh, yeah, so I was just going to get to the mall part. And that's what's cool about this is like you see how malls – when they became really popular in the 80s and they were going up everywhere, just growing and growing, putting all the small town businesses out mm-hmm. of business. 
everything like on your typical downtown street was like going out of business because everybody's at the mall. And, you know, the few shots in the first episode where they're actually at the mall, the mall is just wall to wall packed of people. Everybody's hanging out. The mall rats are in full force. <laughs> you know, all the girls are getting all dressed up to go to the mall. You know, now you go to the mall, Brad, here, and it's like everybody's like wearing their like pajamas. It's just like, well, yeah, they, they, I'm just going to a lot of I people that do the pajama bottoms and just go to the mall and like, yeah, I'm here to buy some stuff. I need to get a new suit for an interview. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of. I wouldn't say I wear pajamas to the mall, but mall is just sort of a, uh, oh, I need to, like, I want to go check you can pop a, out. one or two stores, like a Spencer or a Hot Topic, <laughs> or maybe I'm looking for a cheap pair of jeans, so I'm going to hop into Sears and see what's on the discount rack. So, uh, and obviously people watching at the mall is always one of Wait, my favorite pastimes. Did you say you still go to Hot Topic? Uh, they sell Funko Pops there. Okay. As long as you're not shopping for clothes. No, I never buy clothes there. I mean, they sell band t-shirts, so yeah, I picked up some band t-shirts. Anyways. <sighs> well, you don't, you're not, you're not their target demographic, luckily. Yeah. What have you been up to? It's been a few weeks. Um, well, um, I have not really been up to much. I actually went to the White Sox game yesterday on the 4th of July, which was hot. I was out in right field in the Goose Island section, their new section, and if you have the money to spend and you're in Chicago, it's actually probably worth it because it's just a good time and one you get uh you know this wonderful seat you can get at um movie theaters now though yeah it does everything but recline basically oh so it's a big cushy seat it's a big cushy seat that and where's that this is in this is out in right field and we were in the, the first four rows which are the most premium of them they put a TV in front of you too. Wow. So I'm going to have to check that out because guess what? I'm going there tomorrow. Ooh. Cub, Cub Sox Cub tomorrow. Cub Sox. Go Sox. Uh, cousin Stan is meeting me out there too. So he's. Wait, what? Yeah. It's a. Sorry, Brad. It's a. It's one of those things where family got tickets and there was oh, an extra you know, ticket. But you know what a family tradition? I got you. Yeah. So uh, I, I got invited last minute and there was like, oh, we got one more spot. So I asked Cousin Stan about coming. And so, yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. It'll be my first Sox home game in probably a couple of years. And it'll be my first ever Cubs versus Sox game. I've never been I've to I've never one. been to a Cubs versus Sox game. Chicago versus Chicago. North versus South. Go blue Sox. versus Black. I don't know. Like go, it's, Sox, go. Yeah. Um, but guess what? Yesterday, with it being 4th of July, I was a tourist in Chicago. I've been a tourist in Chicago. It's a fun thing to do. Yeah, even though we've lived here our whole lives. I mean, the most touristy thing you can do in Chicago is go to Navy Pier. And uh, we went to Navy Pier in the morning, uh, did the tall ship. Uh, the tall ship cool. to, uh, took us out on Lake Michigan. They told – I mean, they were very entertaining staff there. It was like the, the Tall Mary or something yeah. is the name of it. And uh, they actually told like a lot of – like sports jokes, which I'm were pretty sure. funny. They were making fun of the horrendous Soldier Field look. <laughs> yes, the spaceship. Um, they were also. He also mentioned uh, how Chicago has two baseball teams. They refer to the one on the north side as the minor league baseball team, <laughs> and then they have a major league team on the south side. And he's like, and you know, and on the south side you can get churros, but on the north side you can't get churros. And he goes, I don't think you're a major league baseball team unless you serve churros. I agree, and it actually made me hungry for a churro. And I think tomorrow when I'm at the game, I'll probably get one in that guy's There's honor. There's so much good food at that stadium, by the way. Yeah. So much. 
I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, so we hung out in Chicago and then we actually had a nice hotel room. Me and my brother, it's just a little family thing. And we, mm-hmm. uh, we had a nice hotel room with a view of Lake Michigan. So we got to watch the fireworks from our hotel room. And we didn't have to go outside. Yeah, and you got to miss the, um, uh, the, stampede. the stampede last night. Yeah, because we were at Navy Pier in the morning. We left Navy Pier by 1 o'clock in the afternoon as it was starting to get crowded. Um, and then kind of just walked around the city for a bit, got some dinner, and sat in the hotel room with the Lou Malati's Pizza. And I, That's uh, what I had last yeah, night. Nice. I'm not kidding. I had Lou Malati's. Nice. So, well, great minds think alike. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so yeah, 4th of July was good. Saw some fireworks. Uh, and then uh, today, I say we get right into it. Let's yes. get to it. Spider-Man and Far, far from, from Home. Jinx. Yes. All right. So not, that means we can't talk, right? That means you can't talk until I say your name, Metal. Ah, poo. Hey, well, I ruined that one. So, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. I mean, me and you both absolutely loved the first Spider-Man yes. movie. I mean, I would even say it was probably Tom Holland's Spider-Man is probably my favorite Spider-Man. His way through um, Spider-Man. Uh, and, you know, just overall casting, the way, you know, the comedy, all mm-hmm. that good stuff about the first one. I, I knew it was going to be really hard for the second one to yeah. basically live up to that one. And and part of that reason is because of the shock factor. I call it yes. the shock factor because when you first saw Homecoming, you had no idea how funny it was going to be. You had no mm-hmm. idea how good Tom Holland was going to be. But now that you saw it and then you've seen some of the Avengers stuff with him in it, now you you know you go into this movie kind of expecting yes. that. And you I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's as funny as the first one. It's got its moments, but you know, if you're looking for a comedy, it's I don't even really call it a comedy. I I completely It had its agree. moments. Well, it's a more um uh it's got it's got a more meaty story to it than Sp- Spider-Man Homecoming because it's dealing with legacy. Oh, the I legacy agree. of uh, Tony Stark, so it's dealing with a heavier topic than, you know, just finding out you're um, a place in the world, so it's um, uh, not got as much room for comedy. It finds its comedy, but it just doesn't have as much space. Yep. And in this one, going into this movie, me and you both, we, we talked on a previous podcast when we were talking about the trailers about what we thought this movie was going to be. And obviously with Mysterio being the villain, there are so many different angles they could have gone with Mysterio. We, yes. we both talked about a clip where uh, Mysterio talks about not being from this earth. He's from another earth. You corrected him on, on his earth numbers. Yes. Um, and, and we kind of had our doubts on it. Like, Oh, why would they announce this? If it's true, because it seems like it's a bit of a heavy spoiler. If there yeah. is the spider verse going on, well, spoilers, there is no spider verse. He's, he's, well, there's of sh- no, well, well, we, there might be, it's just what he was saying. It was full of crap. Yeah. What he was he's saying. A liar. Was full of, yeah. And, and we were thinking that, you know, he was probably just being a liar because, yes. you know, we had thought that the elementals he was creating to try to, you know, to draw more attention to himself. We and, we, we kind of well thought about that, and sure enough, that's the case, too. Well, pretty much what we got in this film, and uh, maybe to its detriment, maybe to its success, it was a paint-by-numbers movie. I pretty much knew every beat that was going to happen in this movie from start to finish. Yeah, and I don't. I'm not knocking it for that. It executed every point pretty much to perfection. I have one niggling flaw that we'll address um, here in the um, podcast, but overall, I enjoyed the entire film. I enjoyed how the story was told. Yeah, I mean, I would say the first, you know, just talking a little bit about maybe the first forty minutes or so. 
Um, you know, we, we get introduced to um, to uh, uh, Mysterio Quinton. We get we get introduced to you know you know. I would say the first ten minutes, I kind of made fun of the blip. Yes, <laughs> and and they made fun of like what what I call the snap, but what they're calling is the blip. And they, yep. I don't know about you, but I, I kind of felt like all of like the making fun of it was sort of unnecessary. Cause it's sort of one of those things where it's like telling a nine 11 joke, <laughs> well, you know, right. Wouldn't you agree there? Considering the entire world was a victim in one way or the other, I guess it's okay. Yeah, I guess. Um, but I, I just, I was like, really? I was like, well, they just keep joking about it. Like I was thinking, all right, there was going to be a mention of it. But you know, uh, they're obviously you know one of the one of the elephants in the room is the fact that like most of his classmates did not get blipped, yes. <laughs> except like one <laughs> who was like the old guy in class. Yeah, well, he um, and, and they kind of made and I thought that was entertaining how they made fun of that, where it's like, oh, look at this guy, you know, he's all like muscular. Yeah, that you know? jackass Brad. Yeah. I hate Brad. Yeah, Brad. Brad Brad got ripped while the rest of us were in purgatory well, or whatever. Yes. Um, so they kind of did that and made fun of that a little bit. But yeah, so then... Although what, the what, scene with the, them play, um, uh, the band playing disappearing and then coming back in the middle of a basketball game oh, did, did was let, make me laugh. That was hilarious. Yeah, because I've had conversations with people about, so when they reappear, where are they reappearing? What about people that are on an airplane? Well, they just Kevin Feige addressed that in an AMA on Reddit. Basically, he said, remember, this was Professor Hulk, so he made sure that they would also be safe. Didn't say anything about not being comedy fodder. Aha. Uh-huh. So, we'll All just... Right. In, in essence, um, we'll put it in the way that The Simpsons did that one time you ever had, whenever you have a question. Whenever you see something like that, it's magic. It's magic. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it was. Yeah. Fair play to Marvel. It was magic that technically brought them all back so it can do whatever it wants. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and we see Mysterio make his uh, appearance. Where Heroic appearance. Yeah, where he's saving the world. This is for my family. <laughs> my favorite line from him, by the way. This is for my family. And um, no one would really be able to hear him out in the middle yeah. of the London River. Exactly. Uh and you know, and then obviously Quentin meets uh, uh, Spider Man. Yes. Uh, thanks to Nick Fury, and you know that's where uh, Quentin reveals that he's not from this Earth; he's from another Earth. Basically, Quentin is just a mastermind as far as duping people. Yes. And I would say that that's a little, maybe, maybe something a little bit of a plot hole that I kind of have a problem with. But that's just being a little picky. I could say, you know, Quentin back. Um, that's he his... was very quick to convince Shield and Nick Fury. That Remember, it's he was... not Shield anymore. It's just whatever Nick Fury. Yeah. Well, but he was, he was the quick... organization is. He was quick to convince him that he's not from this Earth, and that you know, what he, he needs Spider Man's help. Um, you don't know why he needs Spider Man's help because he seemed to be doing a pretty good job all by himself. Mm-hmm. But then. There is like, an act, yeah, although, you're watching this movie. Like I, I'm right away. Like I'm like, okay. So I know Quentin is full of crap. Yep. I know he's the real bad guy. I know he's creating these things. But how is this all falling into place? Because act, in the comic books, he's a stuntman, a Hollywood stuntman yes. that has been what shunned by Hollywood, mm-hmm. and and this is sort of how he gets his revenge. Is like, I, he, you know, they sort of they don't go with that exact storyline, but I do really like. The storyline they I did, do they actually want to give this movie credit because I went in with no pre- preconceived notions about um, uh, Mysterio. 
they did an excellent job of framing it that it was all legitimate because they had all of it there with Nick Fury say trusting him, with seeing the fight scenes, and with everything else. Yeah. And so when it was revealed that he was indeed the fraud that uh, me being the Marvel nerd knew he to him to be, I'm like, oh, how that really does suck. I thought they, I thought maybe. Just maybe he was be on the level, but nope. So that revealed, even though I was expecting it, still got to me a bit. Yeah. Um, so Quentin is obviously a fraud. He actually used to work for Stark. Yes. Um, and he recruited other ex-Stark employees. And, and Some great um, uh, deep cuts there, though, actually. The yep. guy from the first um, uh, Iron Man movie who got yelled at. Yeah. Wonderful deep cut. Yeah, I would say a lot of that fan service mm-hmm. <laughs> they gave to like bringing back and actually showing some flashbacks, and then I I love where you know uh, Quentin's invention actually got nicknamed Barf by Tony Barf. Stark. So that sort of kind of fueled him, like you know he wasn't being taken serious by Tony Stark, and and then he got fired for being unstable, and after that we see why he was considered unstable. Yeah, well, and and this is part of where I'm I'm curious. Because obviously Stark's no longer around, but you would think ex-Stark employee, unstable, you know, that he would sort of be on some sort of like watch list uh, or some sort of uh, some sort of list where like when he goes to Nick Fury, Fury would be like, don't you look familiar? Where'd you used to? Or like, you know, yes. you would look into his background a little well, bit, but he's like, oh, I'm from another matter. earth. He's okay, Qu- no problem. He's a Quentin back from another earth. So there's one on this earth, but this isn't that one. Yeah. Um, but so it, using technology, making drones, mm-hmm. basically recreating all these illusions. I, I was actually really impressed with how they introduced Mysterio's creation of these monsters. Yep. And I love how they introduced everything. And, and you knew like once, once, uh, once he met Parker and Parker already had full blown access to you know, Edith to Edith that even that's what hero. that's what Mysterio wanted. Yeah. You knew he wanted that. Like he wanted to be the next Iron Man. Yes. Like you kind of got that right off the bat and yes. and wondering how he was going to be that but you know so Edith, this Edith power that that uh, Peter Parker has was given was given to him and I guess at that moment and I'll ask you this question is what did you think Mysterio wanted with that power? I had no earthly idea what he wanted with it, but I just figured, well, it can't be good. Obviously, it was so he could have access to all the drones to make an even bigger disaster. But this is actually when, if you take a step back, you realize a potential flaw in Mysterio's plan. He wanted to become the new Iron Man, the new hero. When it's a threat he created, yeah, he can stop it. Oops. But what happens when an actual threat does come, an extraterrestrial threat? How is he going to be able to handle it? Is he going to have to do one of those things that I used to do in gym? Oh, my leg, guys. I just I just can't play today. I know yep. I said that I'm uh, the best three-point shooter. Oh, it's just, oh, I just don't got it. Sorry. Nope, nope. I can't do it. Charlie Horse. Yeah, I mean, and, and I I would say that this is a, another area where I think we're probably in agreement on because I'm I'm also thinking the same thing. I'm like, well... He's got this power. I'm like, is he looking to basically kind of take the world hostage in a way? Like with with all of this technology, 
Or is he just planning on using this to kind of create more situations where he could be the hero and and just become, you know, just become that Iron Man The most guy. beloved person but in the world. To your point, you know, what happens when there's a real threat, you know, like... <laughs> So that, I mean, obviously, that, with that's, that, I guess that's uh, one one thing where they never really identify the movies. What was the purpose of him wanting all this? What was he going to do with it? Like a lot of people say, I want this power because I want to be able to rob want- every bank in the world with a drone, and I want I want the gold out of Fort Knox. And I, I mean, usually somebody's got like a big plan. And remember, never he, they, heard he was plan. motivated by jealousy of Tony Stark. So yeah. it was about replacing Tony Stark. Well, and he, also, he is a mentally unstable individual. So yep. he might not have thought it out to the end. I'm willing to give him that. And maybe he did. And maybe he was expecting to be able to use, because once you have control of Edith, you can just say, create a cloud of and say it's energy, even though you're shooting drones at whatever enemy it is. Yeah. Well, and another moment that didn't happen in this movie that I thought would is that he would, like, his insane personality would kick in, you know, because he had a team. He worked on a team of people. Yeah. And, and actually, when you first meet all these people, like in that bar scene, and, and you know, he's still a likable guy at that yeah. point. You're like, oh, I was like, he's nice to all these people, all former Stark employees. They're all that working for him. It's like a team. It's a team thing. There, it's mm-hmm. not all about him. It's like it's a team effort to create yes. Mysterio to create this hero. And then I'm thinking that the whole time, I'm like, all right, so when is he going to flip on his team? Like, he's going to want to do something really bad, and everybody's going to disagree with him. And he's like, you're all fired. No, we did see that. We did see that. We saw that in the scene where he learned about the drone being damaged. And he he turned the drones on the two guys that were on the floor and the guy that was up in the balcony. That's where we saw he was unstable. And then he said, when I have to kill Peter Parker, his blood is on your hand, not mine. The one who's telling the drones to do it, it's your fault, <laughs> not mine. Yes. You look what you made me do. Yeah, I guess what I was getting at is I was waiting for, you know, like everybody on his team to turn against him and then go help Peter Parker out to be like, all right, here's how we hack into the system. Here's what we nah, do. Like, I was thinking guys. like it was going to be like one of those types of deals, but like. His most of his crew stayed pretty loyal to him. Oh boy, howdy did they, didn't they? And we'll get to that later. I do want to talk about one particular niggling issue that really should have been addressed in this movie, and it's probably what made it all the much more weaker by not addressing this. Ned's relationship? No, that was fun. <laughs> but no, um, it's the spider sense, the Peter Tingle. Oh, the they Tingle. Did, they did the not. Peter Tingle. They did not. <laughs> address it enough obviously they have the throwaway joke line in the beginning and then they have the line in the ship where he says with i'm happy where he says um i have a tingle the sixth sense and oh but it's not working they didn't address that he wasn't trusting his spider sense when taking on the illusions because i can almost see that plot point there that during every fight that he was having with those um uh illusions his spider sense wasn't warning him of the right thing, so he wasn't trusting it. And if they had focused on that instead of say, well, I'll put it, th- let me put it this way, just get rid of the sub story with Brad and focused more on the plot point of Spider-Man's spider sense, I think this could have been a much, much better film. Yeah. Oh, no, I, 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 I mean, be- the Brad subplot was fun, 
but it was a distraction. This is something that would have actually been crucial to the plot. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I do agree with you um, on that. Man, this movie was such a long movie too. It was all, all over two hours long. So it was about yeah, it was about two hours two minutes. I don't remember. Yeah, maybe yeah, give or take a little bit there. But yeah, just just a little over two hours, and then you get all the end credit stuff. But um, which we'll get to. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, I I would say if as far as like the flow of the movie goes, I mean, there really wasn't any like. At least not for me. I didn't feel any moments of suspense where you're like, oh, where's this going to go? And I'm like waiting for a twist. And like I felt like the whole movie all the way up to the end before the credits, like I kind of felt like it just flowed as a start to finish type movie with like, well, like not I, too many. Yeah, I would say the only twist in the movie was just Mysterio's reveal. But, but most all... of us knew that that was going to happen. Yes. Yeah, so if you know anything about the Marvel Universe, obviously, um, I know my parents saw it and they actually didn't see that twist coming. Like, oh, he's a bad guy? Yeah. <laughs> um, but overall, if you know anything about Mysterio, this, like I said at the top, this was a fairly paint-by-numbers and predictable story. So, no, there wasn't much suspense. There were some great set pieces. I loved the, um, uh, fire, his, well, his first real fight with Mysterio where he gets run over by a train. Oh, my I God. I love that sequence of it. Just, oh, with all the illusions. All the illusions. That was just such a great sequence. And it's the kind of thing that um, uh, you'd kind of wanted to see in a Batman movie when he would be taking on Scarecrow. Of just oh, him. yeah, with all the... Yeah, with the fear toxic. Yeah, like, I, I agree 100%. A, that was I'm, a great, great sequence. Just... I was like, oh, that, you see, yeah, this is Mysterio. He can just warp your sense of reality. And I love this. Yeah. Because yeah, there was that... In it was like one. being in the fun house, yeah. but also being on a weird trip or, uh, there was I mean, the part in that where the, um, uh, Iron Man armor came out of the grave. And while it wasn't not maybe necessarily suspenseful, it was shocking and maybe a little startling. Yeah. Cause that was, you know, the and then he even, he, and, and then he, he, that illusion where it's, you know, where he shoots Nick Fury and then it's not oh, really Nick stuff. Fury. I mean, oh, it was so awesome. And then the, the last illusion where it looks like Mysterio is beaten and he, he thinks he's talking to Fury, but he's not just warping your mind in every single way. And I will say this, if they had started doing that like a little bit sooner and once again, more focusing on him not trusting his spider sense, that you couldn't trust any part of what you are actually seeing, this would have been an infinitely better film. Still not a bad one. 100% enjoyable. This is a solid 8.0 out of 10 movie. There is just so much more room to do great things with this plot. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they could have used more of that whole illusion thing to show you, like, maybe some additional convincing that he had to, to Fury. Like, you know, like changing the setting, changing the mm -hmm. surroundings. Kind of like the whole bar thing. That was a huge, you know, yes. video drone and I was watching Sequence. it. I was. I actually saw it again today, and I was paying as much attention as I could during that scene. And sure enough, you can see in the background just some of the holograms just going through like a ten-second animation sequence. Oh, really? Yes, oh, that's, that's the cool. kind of thing I was looking for when I went and saw it the second time. Was that one particular scene? Wow, that's cool. Yeah, well, so um, uh, I do want to talk about one more thing I like because obviously we have, even though we both say we really like this movie, we have um, uh, given our critiques. I, even though once again it wasn't the most um, suspenseful, I really did like the final 
battle of this movie of him taking out all the drones. I think that yeah. was really fun and just him having to think of just improvise different ways of destroying drone after drone after drone after drone. Yeah. And and meanwhile, while all this is going on, I mean, you have your, what I would say, like, the entertainment throughout the movie. You know, you've kind of got, you know, Ned's Ned's little relationship. <laughs> it was so um, adorable. That was really funny. And uh, I, I gotta, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but man, didn't Flash put on a few pounds? <laughs> he might have, but are you a part of the Flash mob? No. You're not a part of the Flash mob? Not part of the Flash mob. One of, one of my favorite things that I like from Flash and less a little bit from Ned is since obviously both of them are technically five years older, but they're not really. Them trying to make themselves look older. So Ned, um, Flash is horrible, horrible prepubescent beard. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. And then he's trying to drink, uh, trying to drink on the airplane. He's not actually 21. Yeah, he blipped. He blipped. You can't take it away from him. <laughs> that was great. Uh, and then, you know, I here's here's one thing I'll say about going back to the Peter Parker. Or I'm sorry, the uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. A big complaint I had while watching those movies um, was I just I thought all of the Mary Jane Peter Parker, she loves me, she loves me not stuff like really took up way too much time in those movies. Even though I know it's part of the whole Spider-Man storyline, that just took up way too much time and was sort of at the point where it was annoying me. In this movie, they sort of did the same thing, but not in an annoying way. Like, no, it's, you, you kind of, it's more relatable. It's more well, relatable it's, than like her, like... They're teenagers. Yeah. They're, they're, they don't know how to And, and it's like, themselves. he's like, I mean, I was a teenager once too. Like where you kind of like pre-plan, like in your, all right, here's the plan. Here's how I'm going to ask the girl out. Yes. And you tell all your friends, here's how I'm going to do it. And you know your friends. They're going to spoil it for you. They're going to yeah, they're they're gonna gonna go ruin they, it. That girl's going to find out about your plan before your plan's even finalized. Uh, and, and so he's got his big plan going on. And he's like just kind of watching her. She's hanging out with Brad. And, Brad, and, I hate oh, that guy. And, she, and he By almost way, kills Brad. That was awesome. Almost killed <laughs> Well, almost let's killed. be honest. Wouldn't you do that if you had that kind of power? Eh, of course. Um, and I thought it was really, I mean, again, I love Zenaida's casting as, as MJ. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, just a great. Tra- untraditional pick, but I love it. Yeah. She, and, and she's and, so much fun. Yeah, she's got, she's got her own sense of humor. Like, she's not that. No, I would have been into. I would have been into her as a teenager. Oh, for sure. So much. I mean, I mean, against Kristen Dunst for sure. Because I, I mean, I, I watched this movie after. I, I just look back on those Tobey Maguire ones, and I'm just like, oh my god. See, this is why. Ah, oh, I just hated the whole Kristen like where she's like banging his best friend and like, yeah. <laughs> you know. And at she, least it's Brad like a whole, isn't like, his friend. Yeah, he's a rival. Exactly. Uh, but no, that I mean, that was such a cool story. And then the, where she reveals, oh, you're Spider-Man? Yes. Well, She's like, that, I know. I've been watching you. And he's like, oh, is that the only right? reason why you've been watching me? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the only reason. But no, overall, as I said, this was a really fun film. It has a lot of heart to it. And I completely enjoyed it. And I suppose to its detriment, as we're going to be transitioning into it, the best part about this movie is... Not really in the movie. It's probably the two best end credits sequences that Marvel has done since the original one with Nick Fury. 
Yeah. And the most significant ones. Well, and right before we get to the end credit scene, so when the movie ends, um, when the credits start, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wow. I was like, that was just... That was okay. It was okay movie. It was, you know, like there was no big thing at the end, no big reveal, no... No tease on anything. We know there's going to be end credit scenes and they're probably going to hint at like what's coming next. But I felt like they didn't really like leave you with something other than, all right, he's the bad guy. The bad guy's dad. He's going to continue to be Spider-Man. We, yeah, he's going to continue to be Spider-Man. He's, he's swinging around the city with his girlfriend. Happily was, ever after, like clap, was, applause. And yes. I'm just like, that's really how they're in I was like, I enjoyed the there's, movie, but... It's, no, it's not even on par with the first one, in my opinion. There was no lasting impact. Exactly. And then you get that first mid credit scene, which... Yes. I you, mean, ju- you just think it's going to be the joke from the commercial. Like, oh, I'm never doing that again. Oh, okay. <laughs> but then... Well, 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 before we get to the, the, the no, moment... J.J.F. and Simmons yes. is back as J. Jonah Jameson, but now yes. he's a right-wing nut job. Yes, he's a blogger. <laughs> the Daily Bugle doesn't even exist. Dailybugle.net. He's like doing a World Net Daily thing. He's an Alex Jones type. Yeah, oh, that was awesome. I mean, I kind of knew when they were flipping. I was like, oh, there's going to be some Easter eggs in here. I got to pay close attention to what they say, what they do. And- yeah. Well, I, a lot of people thought J.B. Smooth would be actually J. Jonah Jameson based on the um, uh, trailer that commercial they did for Audi a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. They thought maybe it would, J. Jonah Jameson wouldn't be the um, in charge of the bugle. He would maybe be the journalism teacher at that school. Yeah. Which would, and that would have been fine. Like, J.B. Smooth is a J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, J.B. Smooth, by the way, is hysterical. Oh, he's I, great. I love him on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's my favorite character in Curb Your Enthusiasm. And he was great in this. Just, oh, just now I'm going to be the cool teacher here. you got to stop taking pictures of people in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, J.B. Smooth, he's, he's, he's fantastic. So, yeah, he was he was a, another, like, bright spot in this movie that kind of gets a but little so overshadowed was, But so was um, the um, other teacher, too. Oh, yeah. Um, he was great. Martin, Martin Starr is the yes. actor, I think, I, who played him. Yeah, yeah, I know about how bad um, uh, allergies can be. You know, my wife left me with the blip. <laughs> we, yeah. we had a funeral for her. Well, it wasn't fake. We paid for it. I got a video. You want to watch the video? Yeah. He's such a sad and then, sad. and then when he moves the seats, typical teacher block move there. Moving yeah. the seats and not putting him next to next to MJ. Oh, yeah. Which is what the plan was for him to get next to MJ. Teacher, teacher ruined, ruined it. it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so let's cut Returning, to the reveal. Yes, the biggest part. Not only does... Mysterio, Quentin Beck, record a dying declaration that Spider-Man was responsible for the drones and saddle him with that. You're like, you're, and you think, that would be enough. Oh, cool. In the next movie, Spider-Man... Well, and a quick thought on that, too, is when he reveals that, I'm like, oh, this is cool. They're actually going to turn this where they're framing Spider-Man. I yes, was like, and, I like this. And this he's going to awesome. be a pariah in the next movie. That's cool. That always makes it um, uh, um, uh, um, uh, one of the better characters. That's one of the things that makes Spider-Man Spider-Man is... He's not actually necessarily well liked. He kind of has that thing that Batman sometimes has, where he's feared and hated by the citizens of the city they're in. But then, then they just pour a little more gas on the fire. He reveals that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, including a picture. He can't go back to normal life, yep. and that's where they leave you at least at the mid-credits scene. You're just sitting there like. What the hell did I just see? Because that was all I was thinking. Like, well, um, 
And that's the mid credit scene? Yeah. And to be honest, yeah, so I went opening night. And I mean, Ditto. Pre- pretty crowded theater. That was the only moment in the entire movie where the audience had a big reaction. Usually was, you get big reactions in these comic book movies, especially opening night, because it's all the fanboys. Yeah. Like, we're all like, oh, yeah, yeah, clap, clap, cheer, cheer. And that entire and, scene. And, and I would say we really didn't get – I really didn't get that throughout the entire movie until that moment. Then everybody's like, oh, well, damn, well, damn. Uh, you also had – it was everything involved with it. It was J.K. Simmons being there. It was yeah, that kind of got the, a little bit of a clap. People were like, yeah. But yeah, everybody, JK! But everybody wants to hear what he's saying, you know, too, at the same time. You're like, oh! Yeah, gotta be quiet, gotta be quiet, gotta be quiet. But it's kind of like a Stan Lee cameo in yes. the previous movies where it's like, as soon as he shows up, it's you're like, shh, shh, shh. wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, that was, that's a way I mean, to we, leave we, you we, with we, a cliffhanger. We'll, we'll get to um, uh, what we think was going to happen with that, but let's uh, jump into the second end credit scene so we can talk about them both. And it's kind of an explanation for why you were so mad at Nick Fury the entire movie. It wasn't Nick Fury. It was Talos from uh, Captain Marvel pretending to be Nick Fury. Correct. Because Nick Fury is out in space doing something, setting up the next set of Avengers movies, most likely. Yeah, well, so my question, I was going to ask you about that, too. Um, You know, where do you think he was? I... I kind of, when I immediately saw that he was in front of a video wall and then he's on some sort of spaceship or space Death Star thing or whatever. <laughs> Death Star. <laughs> I'm dun, like, dun, dun, You will not defy uh, Nick Fury again. <laughs> uh, I was thinking, oh, crap. I was like, he's with the Guardians. Like, I'm thinking no, that he's he was like, he's the... like, I'm, I'm thinking right away they're tying him into like doing something with the Guardians. No, he was with Scrolls. Mm-hmm. Okay. And most most people think, and we'll jump into this right now, he was um, uh, do, doing his job as the director of S.W.O.R.D., which is an basically intergalactic version of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, that, well, that makes perfect sense then, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I didn't say it would make sense. I'm just giving you the explanation. But. No, I mean, it does if, he, if, he's, if that's something he does. And <laughs> it is. And the, the cool thing about S.W.O.R.D. is it deals with more intergalactic things. And it has a heavy, heavy um, connection with the X-Men. Oh. Yes. Now you but, that's but that's um, obviously for the Marvel Universe as a whole. Let's um, jump back into what's going to be happening with Spider-Man. Even in his death, Mysterio managed to ruin his life. And I'm trying to go through of all the villains in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how they um, uh, ended up. He is probably number two for um, uh, being able to get things done and at least in ruining the hero's lives. Obviously, Thanos is number one, but his thing was undone. Yep. At least right now, Spider-Man's life is ruined because yep. of Mysterio. Well, for and for two things. Not only was he exposed, his identity was exposed, but the second thing is he was framed. Yes. Like, like Mysterio is framed Spider-Man mm-hmm. based on all that technology. And... Obviously, people like Nick Fury and other superheroes can vouch for him, but it'll probably be like 50-50 of people who trust him and like him. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact that it's out there and it's, you know, been put on the media mm-hmm. for everybody, um, people form their opinions, they'll have all their debates, and, oh, is he a good guy, is he friend or foe, friend or foe, you're going to have all that going friend on. Or menace. So that's where the next movie's going to pick up, is it's- like basically him in hiding, 
Like, right? He's going to have to go to hiding somewhere. Well, I'm sure he'll be able to go to... Even, like, Pepper Potts will probably be able to do him a solid. Yeah. He does still have friends in high places. That's, Let's give that him that. That is true, but I, I would imagine he's going to want to leave town and go and, and uh, I think we'll see get out of the spotlight for a while. Yes, and I think we'll see something kind of cool... And that's going to be Flash Thompson. It's probably going to be uh, really helpful in the next movie since, you know, Peter Parker is Spider-Man and Flash Thompson is Spidey's biggest fan. Mm-hmm. But that'll be another thing. But like I said, these two end credit scenes took what was a pretty good Spider-Man movie and just b- changed the stakes for the Marvel Universe going forward. Yeah. If nothing else, you don't see this movie, go see it just to see these two scenes because they're that good, actually. Yeah, for they sure. are worth the price of admission. And you bring up a good point because I feel like you can go into this movie if you're one of those movie jumpers. Not that I condone it, but if you're one of those people that pay to see one movie and you walk into another theater afterwards and catch something else. If you happen to walk into this movie midway through it or even three quarters of the way through it and sit down, you're probably going to be very – it'll be very easy for you to pick up yes. on where the movie's at. Yeah. And very easy to follow. Like, it is one of those movies you could just turn on 30 minutes into the movie and be like, oh, this is what's going on. Like, you didn't miss anything. Like, you would only miss something if you leave that movie as soon as it's over and don't watch the mid credit scene. And then you're missing out on your second twist at the very end of the credits. So this is like, if there's any of those movies, you have to stay to the very end. It's that. Like Yes, because they have... Two very consequential credit scenes. Yep. And and it's not really credit scenes that set up the next Marvel movie. It's setting up the next, I would Spider-Man say, setting up the movie, next Spider-Man movie. The Spider-Man movie and setting up the Marvel Universe as a whole. And that does mean another thing, though. Obviously, there's at least, since this was technically the last Spider-Man uh, would appear in the MCU, obviously, Marvel is pretty sure that they're going to get an extension with Sony for more Spider-Man films. They seem reasonably sure. Yeah. Because they wouldn't have done that kind of ending if they didn't. Because could you imagine if the deal fell through now? Yeah. Being yeah. denied to see what the hell happens? It would be horrible. So they have to be reasonably sure that there's going to be an extension. Even Kevin Feige said, yeah, we'd be willing to do a Venom a Spider-Man crossover now, too. It's pretty much up to Sony. I was just going to say, what do you think the next villain would be for Spider-Man. Will you think they would... Well, he is Venom, the lethal protector. Think about it. He thinks... if He, he thinks Spider-Man's a bad guy. Yeah. You have Venom going after him thinking he's the hero. That could be a great movie. Yeah. We already have, have we, at least one We shall one wait and see. But also, one of the um, buildings in the background and been uh, confirmed... The new owner of Avengers Tower is the Dirty O, Norman Osborn. So we could also be seeing Norman Osborn be rising to power as a villain. And he was actually a great, great villain in the comic books in the early 2000s. Oh, William Dafoe was probably the best thing about the <laughs> the earlier Spider-Man movies, he too. He is, but um, in the comic books in the um, uh, mid-2000s, Norman Osborn is the director of what's called Hammer, which also replaced S.H.I.E.L.D. And he is basically the villain du jour for the entire Marvel Universe because he's in charge of everything. And since right now, as far as we know, there's no S.H.I.E.L.D., who knows, maybe he is in charge of Hammer right now. Yeah. And so many and, and with Spider-Man basically being, 
outed. Outed and maybe needing new protection. Maybe he, well, now that would be another one where he's um getting tricked again. I don't think they'll do that with um, Norman Osborn pretending to be helpful. They've they've played that card. Well, they can introduce Henry Osborn, right? Harry Osborn. Harry. Harry, Henry. Harry, Henry, whatever. They both begin with ages, and I think Harry and Henry are um, synonyms. Correct. I'm not sure. I would say correct. Um. (laughs) Well, of course, because it means you're correct. (laughs) I'm right. I know what I'm talking about. But like I I said, overall, I'm going to give Spider-Man Far From Home a solid 8 out of 10. I enjoyed it. It had some really good highs. It just didn't quite reach the same level of always being high as Spider-Man Homecoming. It might have had higher highs than Homecoming, but it wasn't sustained. It was more of a um, a roller coaster ride instead of it just being up, 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 up. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would say, you know, it's, I mean, it's probably not on par with Homecoming, but it's, it's still a pretty good movie. It holds its own. It is, it's, you know, the likable characters that, from the first one, are back. Um, I, if I was to tell you my biggest disappointment, we didn't talk about this at all on the podcast. Go ahead. No mention whatsoever of Vulture. No mention of Vulture. That's true. And actually, and, and with that being MJ's dad's no, stepdad. No, no, no. That was um Liz's. I'm sorry, step- Liz's stepdad. And she wasn't in this movie. She was. She moved out to Portland, and who knows what happened. Yeah. There. But still, no mention whatsoever. Well, I, I mean, that, was... that was kind of a letdown because you know he's still there. And when you think about it, Homecoming had that in credit scene where, Scorpion. remember, yeah, I remember they cornered him in the prison. They're like, oh, we heard you know who the identity is of Spider-Man. Well, it's out now. And I was going to say it was weird right. that they mentioned it there. And then you're kind of like, oh, this is cool. Like, you know, how's that going to play into the next movie? And then I was thinking there would be something involving him in this. And there maybe, was nothing. Maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it won't have anything to do with Venom. Maybe it will be the Sinister Six or the Secret Six, and with which the Vulture and Scorpion are members of. Hunting yeah. down Spider-Man. And him having to take down six villains in just like a gauntlet. Yeah. I don't know, I, that I, could be fun, too. I still was hoping for something with Vulture. Well, actually, I did think of... I loved Michael Keaton as him, so I kind of wanted to see something with him in there. Actually, now that you mentioned Vulture, I want to mention one small thing about um, uh, 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 Avengers Endgame. Uh, after I'm watching it a, a one more time. I did my best. It's really hard to see because it's a frenetic battle scene, but I couldn't see many villains in the um, uh, final battle fighting for, obviously, the rest of the universe. And that's obviously because so many villains in the MCU end up being deadsies. But he was one that they could have said, well, we need to get it. We're the magicians. We need to get as many able-bodied people that can do something as possible. Vulture is an able-bodied person that can do something. And I think that could have been fun to see Vulture just dive, just have a, you don't even really need Michael Keaton. You just have a guy in a vault, the digitally animated Vulture taking someone out. Yeah. And that could have been fun. Yeah. But that's just a small nitpick that just entered my head when I was um, watching it again. I'm like, you know, there I don't see many villains. I think I see some of the Ravagers and their spaceships, but no, I don't see many people that were classified bad guys. And once again, I'm like, well, that's because we kill our bad guys in this universe. <laughs> we kill them dead so they can't yes. come back and bother us again. 
but that would have been one that could have came back. But other than that, that was just a, a small niggling thought that also just popped in. But um, Metal, I think we can close it out here. Yeah, um, I, I would say this seems to be uh, kind of the end for superhero movies for, for a while now. I know, well, I there were have been none announced, but they said they wouldn't announce anything for Phase 4 until this movie was out for a while because obviously they needed the Spider-Man uh, end, credits, end credit scenes to happen before they could. Yeah, so but I'm just saying like in the next few months we don't have like, you know, a, a big one to look oh, yeah. forward to. Um, but on future podcasts, I would say probably the next time we sit down and talk podcasts, I'm thinking we're going to be able to go through Stranger Things season yep. three. We'll be able to talk about all the cool 80s stuff in that, our favorite 80s moments. Um, and yeah, I got to get the Baskin Robbins because I, I guess they are introducing some of the ice cream flavors that are mentioned in Ooh. Stranger Things. And um, yeah, there's uh, some, you know. First episode, like I said, it's got some 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 fun some fun nods to it, and just some fun nods to being a teenager in the eighties, and like you know all the stuff you wanted to do, and you know all the cool all the cool stuff going on. So it, it brings you back if you're an eighties kid. If you're not an eighties kid and you watch it, you're like, oh, those eighties guys. That's what they did for. That's what they did. It's so boring. That's all we had. We didn't have your Fortnites. Yeah, or Pokemon Go. <laughs> But, but um, uh, uh, anyways, but that'll do it for this episode of uh, the Hillcrest Duo. Uh, happy Independence Day, Happy Birthday, America! Uh, and uh, we will uh, return. I am your host, Metal John at Metal John Radio, and that is. And I am your host. I am Brad Risto at Brad Risto on Twitter. And uh, from the Bat Cave, uh, along here with special producer Selena Kyle, my cat. Uh, we want to thank you for tuning in, and we will be back in a few weeks to talk Stranger Things season three.